Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everybody, we welcome you in to another edition of Inside Boxing Live, the first show of 2022. I am your host, Dan Canobio. Got a big one planned for you today, a twofer. We got two guests coming to you first. You know him, Hall of Famer, the 2021 Hall of Famer, Roy Jones Jr., 10-time world champion, over four divisions, the only man to go from middleweight to heavyweight and win belts along the way. A great conversation with Captain Hook, Roy Jones, and also on the show, Brian Campbell. You know him from Showtime Boxing. He is the newest addition to the Showbox commentating team. They return uh, this Friday night over in Florida. So we'll get Brian's thoughts on Showbox, with his thoughts on Showtime Boxing's uh, 2022, and some fun uh, look ahead. Also, we'll look back to this past weekend as well, but also look ahead to 2022's uh, three storylines that we want to see play out uh, for this upcoming year. 2021 is in the rear view. It was an absolutely uh, phenomenal year for boxing. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, my year-end show, put a lot of work uh, into that. But I think over the last, you know, this time from Christmas to New Year's Day. We really in the boxing world, we like to go over the year. You know, they talk about who's our fighter of the year, what was our fight of the year, you know, round of the year, storylines, and a man 2021 delivered. Let's hope that 2022 delivers too. And it was off to a weird and wild start uh, this past weekend. Uh, over on Fox on PBC uh, pay-per-view, Charles Martin, Luis Ortiz headlined it, uh, but it started at 5 p.m. Eastern over on Fox, and we saw uh, two good fights there, uh, heavyweights with Piro uh, and Bruzone, and then Frank Martin at lightweight, who I think is going to be a force, uh, dropped and stopped uh, in El Duno. Uh, but then we got to the main event, or the main portion of the night, the pay-per-view portion. And man, was that wild, that first fight. Kaladze versus Faust, five minutes. It didn't even get out of the second round. Five knockdowns. Uh, Kaladze went down three times. Faust went down twice. Faust survives. He picks up the win. Kaladze shoves or pushes uh, the referee, Samuel Burgos. He's going to get a fine and a suspension. That fight was nuts. And it was at that moment, the people that bought this pay-per-view who may have been on the fence, 40 bucks, were like, <laughs> I think it was worth it. Uh, you know, then we saw some up and down stuff. That's what you're going to get when you have, when you put on the heavyweights. I mean, uh, you know, we saw this back in the day, Cedric Kushner, remember his heavyweight explosion? You're either going to get stuff like Kaladze and Faust, which doesn't happen every day, but stuff of that ilk, you know, big knockouts, you know, heavyweights, you know, knockdowns, you're going to get all that. Or you're going to get what you saw with Gerald Washington and Dara Mezzin. And we're going to get with Frank Sanchez and Christian Hammer. You know, not exciting fights. You know, less, you know, 30 punches around from each guy. You know, Christian Hammer set a, a tied a CompuBox record for least amount of punches landed in a 10-round fight. He landed 24 against Frank Sanchez. I don't understand Frank Sanchez's uh, game plan in that fight. He had a guy on short notice. You know, a lot of eyeballs uh, watching this pay-per-view. He could have went out and made a statement. Instead, he threw one punch at, at a time. So it's a little puzzling sometimes with the heavyweights, but 
I thought it was like bookended well. Uh, oh, first fight of the night was fun, Kaladze and Faust. And then the main event, uh, Luis Ortiz and Charles Martin for six rounds lived up to, uh, I wouldn't say the hype because there wasn't a lot of hype around it, but it, it was fun. I mean, it was a close fight. Ortiz went down twice uh, early. Uh, one of them was on a jab. His legs did not look good. But then once he found his legs, he started to hold his own a little bit, fire off that jab from the southpaw stance, and then land a bomb. And boy, did he ever land a bomb. Jeez. I mean, uh, that shot landed on Martin, put him on uh, – I don't. he was out on his feet. Uh, that was Charles Martin. The fight ends. Uh, the, the, the refereeing was atrocious. Jim Santori Jr., I mean, what were you doing, man? Why were you so far back? If you take a look at the replay, when when uh, Ortiz lands that shot on Martin, the referee is nowhere to be found. He's in the other corner. He rushes in finally once Ortiz throws 13 more shots on Martin, who was either clearly out on his feet. So that fight either should have been waved off or Martin should have got a 10 count. He didn't even get a 10 count. His arm gets up uh, and ends up. Tangled up in the ropes. Uh, he, he gets out of that, doesn't get the 10 count, gets pummeled, and the fight's over. It was a strange, strange weekend, uh, strange uh, night of fights, but that's what you tune in for when you're a boxing fan. You want that theater of the unexpected. So now Luis Ortiz at 42, quote unquote, uh, will look to go further. I know he's an IBF, he's in high ranked up in the IBF. I don't think he gets Wilder or Fury. Would like to see him fight Andy Ruiz. Charles Martin. I thought if it's possible, came out looking good in a loss. I mean, you say that all the time, but I actually mean it uh, in, in this one. I want to see Charles Martin fight in like a Deontay Wilder or, or Charles Martin fight maybe like a Johnny Rice <laughs> who stole the show in his post-fight interview. So uh, a fun night uh, over on PBC on Fox. Looking ahead to this weekend, like you said, uh, Showbox returns. Uh, the uh, combined records of the Showbox fighters this weekend, 81-0. and 0. Uh, there is no main card on Saturday night. January is a little lean. Uh, the BBOC over in the UK has canceled all cards for January. So Chris Eubank versus Liam Williams postponed uh, yet again. You're getting one fight a weekend. Next weekend, uh, January 15th, we're going to see uh, we're going to see at this at uh, light heavyweight Joe Smith. Of course, I don't know why his name is escaping me. But Joe Smith returns next week. Uh, then you got Gary Russell and Mark uh, Mexago. So. Uh, the January is a little lean, but we're going to keep you busy here on Inside Boxing Live. Up next, the legend, Mr. Roy Jones Jr. All right, it's time to bring in our first guest of 2022 and none better than the former 10-time world champion over four divisions, the only man to go from middleweight to heavyweight and win titles along the way. You know who I'm talking about, Roy Jones Jr., Captain Hook. Y'all must have forgot my man, Roy. How's it going, man? Except Welcome. Thank you. I'm doing good, but how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, and when we set up this interview, we were texting back and forth, and you told me that you're up every day at 7 a.m. And I was like, damn. I was like, what's the daily regimen looking like for Roy Jones these days? Well, you know, I you know I raise roosters, so my roosters start crowing about 5.45, so I get up <laughs> early in the morning because the rooster's crowing. And the rooster crow is the first sign that God has blessed me with another day. Okay, I like that. And because so God has blessed me with another day, I should get up and get something done positive for that day because he gave me another day. Like that. Uh, it's better than an alarm clock, right? Of course. Of course. It's a natural alarm clock. <laughs> I need that. I need that in New York City. I got sirens here. I got people fighting yeah. in the streets. I, I mean, that's like a abnormal uh, alarm clock for here in, in New York City. But 
Big year for you coming up, Roy. How does it feel? I mean, it was inevitable, but how did it feel to get that phone call and now you have Hall of Famer next to your name? That was one of the best feelings ever because every athlete wants, wants to become a Hall of Famer whatever respect the sport that he's in. So to become a Hall of Famer is one of the biggest accomplishments of all time. And to get that phone call was really it was unexpected because I didn't think my time was up yet. So they surprised me, but I was very delighted to you. Another blessing from God. Yeah, because you kept fighting, Roy. They didn't know when your career was finally over, right? Yeah, and I still will, so I might not still be over yet. (laughs) I may be the the first Hall of Famer with a fight. (laughs) That could be allowed. See, other sports, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. Like Derek Jeter, he retired in 2014. They waited the five years or whatever, and then he gets in the hall. The thing with boxing is is these these guys like you, you love to fight. So, yeah, you you can't, you, you know, who knows when you hang them up? Just never know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, how about the speech have you thought about the speech are you going to freestyle you have notes uh i mean it's going to be pretty epic a lot of fans are going to be uh waiting to hear what you have to say yeah i usually freestyle all my speeches because it comes from the heart so i'm sure this won't be no different yeah that's going to be a pretty epic day in canastota it's like i think they're combining like two or three classes you know getting it with yes. andre ward uh klitschko mayweather Cotto, so many James big names. James Tony, one of your former foes. Yeah. You guys are close now. What's up with you and James Tony? We are cool. I mean, nobody's never close, but we cool. I mean, yeah. we're not, we don't have no beef. I mean, it's all good because we had to have one another to become Hall of Famer. So, yeah. Oh, I saw you posted something with um, Tarver. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. You say, don't be surprised. That's happy. I'm happy to see that. I mean, uh, what, what's going on with uh, Mason, the line Dixon, uh, Antonio Tarver? <laughs> they got a thing they got a thing down in front of called Pro Box yeah. TV that they're trying to start and trying to get us to commentate for it so it's possible that it may happen but nothing for sure yet but it's very possible do you miss broadcasting? no I don't really miss it I enjoy it because I love uh, being able to associate with the fans and to be able to help the fans understand what really goes on in boxing but mm-hmm. I mean you know, I don't miss it but I mean it is kind of fun when did you know like Man, this is something I'm I'm a good at, and b like could be the next part of my career because I know that you filled in a lot while you were fighting. A lot of fighters do that now, but when did you realize, hmm, this is something I can do for like the next 10, 15 years of my life? Oh, uh, about the second time I did, when I seen, I realized I had a good rapport with being able to actually explain to people in many terms. Yeah. What did you learn from Jim Lampley? Oh, I learned that Jim Lampley is one of a kind. That you don't ever <laughs> try to try to be like Jim Lampley because Jim Lampley has a photographic memory. Yeah. Jim Lampley can read a page one time and recite that whole page over and over again for you ten times again after reading it just one time. <laughs> and you don't want to try to be what Jim Lampley is. You do what you do, and you let Jim do what Jim does because Jim is the best at what he does. He's unbelievable. I mean, growing up yeah. in the HBO boxing family uh, with CompuBox and being able to watch you guys work and just being around Lampley for the rehearsals and just, you're right, being able to memorize stuff. I mean, that's not what you had to do, but I'm sure you did learn stuff from him. And and how, how about uh, from, from Larry? Larry? Larry kind of just speaks his mind, which yeah. allowed me to also speak my mind because you learn from Larry that you don't have to get on there and be somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. You get on there, you be yourself. Even if yourself may seem crazy to some people or to you, you still got to project who you are. That's what Larry did. 
do you think that's missing today and not just in boxing broadcasting but just like there's not many of Larry's around anymore. Maybe Charles Barkley speaks his mind. You know, Tim Bradley, I feel like, is a guy that speaks his mind. Do you feel like that's missing today in the boxing broadcasting world? Yes, yeah, missing because people are so afraid to make mistakes now. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the world's got to a place where good is bad and bad is good. So you don't know mm-hmm. what to say anymore because, and like I said, I don't know how long I'll last because <laughs> I'm going to speak my mind. You feel me? So like I may last, I may not, but I don't really care because if I ain't speaking my mind, then I'm not being me. I'm not a robot, so I got to be me. So yeah. if, I'm, if I'm gonna be on TV, I'm gonna speak my mind. Well, that's why fans loved you because you did speak. Your mind. That's why everyone loved that broadcast because it was just so raw, and you had this unbelievable ability to like predict things before they happened. Like first, I always was watching a fight with you calling it, and like the first thirty seconds of the first round, you picked up on something, and you're like, "Oh, this is what's gonna happen next," and then it ended up happening next. I mean, that's an <laughs> unbelievable ability. That's like, I mean, Tony Romo gets credit for doing that now, but I was like, "Damn, Roy has been doing this well before Tony Romo." Exactly, Roy knows his craft. <laughs> You absolutely do, my friend. And you know what I did the other day, Roy? I, I put on the final HBO broadcast, and I hadn't done this yet. I did it the other day. I don't know why, but I put it on, and I got through it, and I wasn't. I was fine. And it got to the end when it was you, uh, Max, and Jim, and you gave your final remarks. And I absolutely lost it, Roy, when you brought up Artie Curry, uh, a guy that uh, I got to know a little bit as a kid and was a very dear, close friend of yours. And uh, people out there that don't know Artie Curry, you should look him up. He was a former, uh, he started off in the mailroom at HBO, worked his way up to an executive level, was pretty much the uh, liaison between the fighter and the network, a, a role now that every promotion has. And I'm telling you, man, uh, I, I know that you think of Artie every day. Will he be in your speech? And what can you tell the fans about uh, a guy that many don't know, Artie Curry? I definitely would try to have him in my speech. And what I got to tell the fans is that Artie Curry, Artie Curry was like, the best thing that ever happened to me as far as HBO and broadcasting goes, because Artie Curry always, his favorite his favorite word was, words were, keep it real. And Artie Curry always kept it real. You don't get no better than that. So when you have a, a business, when you have a lot of people who are business people, business-minded people, you find a jewel in there somewhere, an angel that cares, actually cares about people, not just about the business of what's going on. That was Artie Curry. Yeah, you know, what's funny is that I'm one of five. I have have three brothers and a sister. And every time I saw him, he would sing the Brady Bunch theme song to us. (laughs) But he would he would interject like our names. And like as a kid, like you can't forget that. And you just I just he left an impression on me as a kid. So I can imagine what he was like for you and and other fighters. But man, I lost it. I got very emotional when you brought up Artie and uh, and so many of those uh, people we lost from the, from the HBO boxing world. But uh, I don't want to get too emotional because I'll start breaking down again. But um, last year, you fought Mike Tyson, obviously, and that was a big moment. Uh, what did you feel like the next day or the next week? What did your body feel like? I feel like a horse had been kicking me in my chest all night. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> my body was so as heck for a little while, you know, so... I was in bed. I was in, I mean, I was cool because I was in pretty good shape for it, but my body was hurting for a couple of days. By two days, my real felt like they had been kicked on by a horse. He was hammering to the, he was like, he didn't hit you a lot, but a few shots, he, he went to the body like a lot. Yeah, he did because they, you know, in the exhibition, they say, if y'all brother trying to kill each other to the head, we stop him. Yeah. So we knew you couldn't necessarily kill to the head, but that don't mean you couldn't kill to the body, and that's Mike Tyson. So he's going to definitely try to kill your ribs. <laughs> 
So if he can take you out with a body shot, he's going to do it. And the first time he threw one, I was like, okay, okay, this might is still Mike. I got it. So that's what it was. Did you, like, that whole experience, it was obviously amazing. I mean, the whole world stopped to watch it, and I'm glad that, you know, it was all about Mike, this, this, this. He's a big star, but I was happy that fans were able to look back and be like, well, Roy was a damn legend. And, like, it was only – it was fitting that you were the other person in the ring that night, another legend, two guys. That whole experience, was it amazing? It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life because I always wanted to get in the ring with Mike back in my prime. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. So for it to happen now was crazy. And because of the pandemic, people were looking and starving for something to happen because yeah. people were stuck at home. So you couldn't turn it down, though it turned to be a bad situation. And for you know the payment and all that went, it still was a great situation for the people. So I kept it because of the situation with the people. I knew people were starving mm-hmm. for entertainment. So you had to give it to them. Yeah, you're an entertainer. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many eyeballs were watching. It's one of the most watched fights of 2020. Uh, it was a pretty wild night, but you said you wanted to fight him in your prime. Was there ever, like, how close were you to fighting him? I think, what, after you beat Ruiz, there was, like, a lot of talk about it, right? Yeah, after I beat Ruiz, the only person I wanted to fight at the heavyweight division would have been Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson, I didn't want to fight him as a, as a heavyweight because, in my mind, I still had to go down and recapture the light heavyweight title, which I did that, too. So, uh, what happened? I, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's revisionist history now, but how close did it actually co- uh, uh, become to happening? It didn't really get close because Mike said he was doing boxing. He really wasn't into boxing no more, so mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen. When he said that, I kind of wrote it off and went on my other way. I don't never want to fight nobody that don't want to fight me. You feel me? Right. So if a person tells me I'm really not into it, that I walk away. I'm not I'm not that guy. I'm not a thirsty guy who just want to fight people just because it's money or just because it's an opportunity. No, I want to fight you if you want to fight me. If you don't want to fight me, then I don't want to fight because I want you to be at your best or don't worry about it. Yeah, that would have been, still, in 2003, that would have been huge, especially coming off that that heavyweight title. Do you is that the biggest accomplishment of your life? What is the biggest accomplishment of your fighting career? That was the biggest accomplishment of my fighting career. Nobody has ever turned professional as a dream middleweight and became heavyweight champ of the world. Never in the history of the sport. So when they talk about pound pound, they can talk all that craziness, but nobody ever turned professional <laughs> as a junior middleweight and became heavyweight champ of the world. That's so right. Tell me who the best, so tell me who the best pound for pound is. That's right. Talk your shit, my man. How about uh, Canelo? Uh, now, Canelo is being like, y- your name is coming up a lot now because Canelo wants to move up to cruiserweight or there's talk about that. Uh, he didn't even actually want to do it. It was his trainer that came up with the idea, Eddie Reynoso. And, you know, a lot of people are bringing up, oh, Roy did this. He went up to heavyweight and, and then uh, went back down to lightweight. You know, what would you first of all, what did you think when you heard that Canelo is thinking about going to cruiserweight? It tells you that what I did was exactly what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and try to take the bar and set the bar even higher. Mm-hmm. And I took the bar and set the bar even higher. So now it makes other people go out and give them something to reach for. If you don't give them nothing to reach for, then you haven't done anything. I gave them something to reach for. You feel me? Other people talk about giving them something to reach for. No, I gave them something to reach for. If you're going to dominate, dominate from top, from bottom to top. Don't dominate just where you at. Dominate all the way up. Go show that you really are dominant. Dominate weight class after weight class after weight class. That proves that you're not just dominant in your weight class, but you're dominant in the game. I dominated the game. <laughs> um, but were you shocked to hear that he's going to do that? He's a smaller guy going up to like close to 200 pounds. That's that's crazy. No, because, because the type of fighter he is, he has the capabilities to do it. I wouldn't advise everybody to do that, but there are sometimes guys who come along that are special. Mm-hmm. Special guys can do special things. Special guys, we expect to see special things from. 
You understand me? If you're not special, then we phone don't disconnected. Then we don't expect to see nothing special from you. But if you're special, then we want to see special things. If you're special and you're not doing special things, then what are you doing? So for me, for me, it's like I was special. So I always try to give you special things. Yeah. Now, in terms of him going up to Cruiser, let's say he, he comes into that ring, and let's say he does it. He comes to, into that ring at, like, 190. Going back down is the hard part. That's what that's what you did, right? You said you have said yes. that it was it was tough, right, going from heavyweight yes. back down to 175 to fight Tarver. What would you recommend to, to him if he does go back down to 175 or I don't think 168? I mean, if, even if he does that, that's a huge disparity. Uh, in weight, I mean, what would you, what would you recommend to him? Being that you you did this before, depends on how much muscle he puts on. Don't go back to sixty eight for sure. Yeah, especially if you go to two hundred. Now, if you go to one ninety, you might go at one sixty eight. But mm-hmm. if you go to two hundred, forget about sixty eight for a while. They get go back to one seventy five, maybe then give your body like two two years or a year or so to rest right. from that drop in weight. Then you come back and fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing. But that's would you say um, if you could do it all over again, would you do that after the Ruiz fight? Go back to Tarver? No, no, no. I beat Tarver the first time. Yeah, you beat I him did, the second time, and I beat him the first time. Right. So I realized that after I beat him, my body has been depleted because it took all heart to beat him in that first fight. Mm-hmm. So stop. And let your body get itself back together. Right. Then come back and fight. See, that's the thing, and I, I corrected myself there because because a lot of people are like, oh, after Roy after Roy beat Ruiz, he went back to Munster Five and he struggled. No, you actually won that fight against Darvish on heart, completely won the fight on strictly heart. That's when people realized that Roy Jones Jr. was game. Yeah, that was towards that. Oh wow, I mean, that was what? That was, would you say Tarver was like one of your best rivals? I wouldn't say he was my best rival. He was the best rival for the time and because we have been fighting since we were 13 years old. Yeah. I beat him at 13. Then I beat him in the first fight. They beat me in the second fight and they beat me in the third fight. So we really had two and two. So that kind of makes us lifelong rivals, I guess, because we knew each other longer because we both yeah. come from the state of Florida. But, um, you know, he was, he probably, yeah, he probably would have been my best rival. Yes. Man, I would love to see the two of you just going at it. Just not fighting, just talking. <laughs> just talking about crap. To- yeah, we about to, it's, it's possible it might happen on this Pro Box series. It might happen. We're going to see. That's awesome. Um, do you still, yeah, like you still have a desire to call fights at like the highest level or, or, or networks reaching out? Yeah, I still have a, uh, yeah, networks are reaching out. I do have a, a, a desire to call fights just at the high level, or not all of them, just the high level ones, mm-hmm. because I don't want to use up all my, my 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 skills on the smaller fights. I'm going to use them on the big fights so that people understand and that the, they get the most out of me for the buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you get commentating every fight, sometimes what you say becomes redundant because you do it so much. When you commentate the big fights, it gives there people an opportunity to share big moments. It's like yeah. like like it's like uh um uh how Cosell didn't call every fight. He called a big fight. <laughs> That's you know true. I mean? You know it's a big fight when Roy's there. I mean, you were there for AJ and Usyk, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. They don't what call is- it a. You see Michael Buffy, you know it's a big fight. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, man. The fans really miss those HBO days. Uh, um, let me get some from the fans. Speaking of the fans, we got some fan questions here. Uh, nothing but boxing wants to know what is the one thing you change about your style, if anything. I wouldn't change nothing about my style. It couldn't beat me with my prime with my style. My style was unbeatable in my prime. I was the first person to go a whole round without getting hit. Yeah, talk about the there you go. I mean, that was us. I mean, we, we were the ones counting that. 
You feel me? But they'll tell you that everybody else is a better defensive fighter. How? Well, I'm the first one to go a full round, a whole three minutes with another fighter who is a great fighter, Vinny Pazelsa, and not get hit a yep. whole round. Yeah. But instead of telling you about how good all these other people are defensively or offensively, but who did it better? Nobody. When you go look at the highlights right now, if you put your five-year-old son in front of the computer and start showing him highlights, he's going to want to see Roy Jones again. He's going to want to see Muhammad Ali again. He's going to want to see Mike Tyson again. And he probably going to want to see Prince Hassim, Hassim Ahmed again. Yeah. And if he's lucky, if he's seasoned, he'll want to see the drunken master again. Dude, I got goosebumps just, just hearing that because when you bring that, it's true. I mean, there that you had a 21-fight stretch from uh, the first Hopkins fight to Ruiz and we, you know, we crunched the numbers 18 and one. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. 20 and one, 18 knockouts. You're landing 54% of your power shots, Roy. Your opponents were only landing 27%. I mean, you're not going to see a better stretch than that. And I think fans, I mean, I go on Twitter all the time and they, and I see it all the time. They're for prime for prime. There was probably no one that could beat Roy Jones from 168 uh, to 175 or even the lower weights. And people don't appreciate it until you're gone because they don't look at the numbers. They don't crunch the facts like you've done. You understand me? Yeah. It's not my job to toot my own horn, so I don't sit around and argue with them. Well, I do it. I go on it's Twitter and I, and I spit it. <laughs> and I appreciate that, but it's not my thing to argue because God knows. As long as God right. knows, that I can't worry about nothing. God well, we got to start doing that more, though, Roy. we got to start appreciating people while they're still here. You know, John Madden just passed away, and that, I, that special they did for him was amazing where he sat down and he was able to uh, – uh, hit the people that his loved ones and friends were able to say things directly to him. You know, obviously he yeah. ended up passing away just a few days later, but I think we need to start appreciating people while they're still here. Right. I think we should, should too, but we so busy and so quick to tear people down instead of mm -hmm. build people up. So we always want to tear people down and we always quick go to the next. Yeah. That's why I like about Russia because in Russia, they don't go to the next. They remember you. They you're teach, you're huge today. in Russia. Yeah. They treat me today. Like I was in my prime still. You feel me? <laughs> they don't, they don't go to, they ain't going to, no, 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 no. Roy Jones, the best of us. We don't yeah. care about nothing. We remember Roy Jones. That's I like that. Goal. All right. Another fan question. Donovan Casp wants to know, did you get a contact high in the locker room when Redman and Method Man wrapped <laughs> you into the ring? No, I didn't get a contact high. I got a contact high of the enthusiasm and all the energy that was in the building because you had Method Man, Redman, which was the first time rap had ever been in Radio City Music Hall. Oh, damn right. Roy Jones. Bought Rick, Method Man and Red Man to Radio City Music Hall. But then you also had the late, great Whitney Houston in there. Mm -hmm. the, the, the atmosphere was just completely insane. That's crazy. I mean, uh, some other fan, but I, I didn't want to ask this one, but uh, you know, now that we're talking about contact high, he said, did you ever smoke weed before a fight? No, no, I never smoked weed, period. Oh, wow. No. That's the and same thing like, like Floyd had I'm never done either. Yeah, I'm not the guy you gave me anything. I just tell it like it is. I'm not afraid to tell it just like it is. I like that. Loco G says, hardest puncher you've ever faced? Murky Sosa. Wow. Murky Sosa was a knock knee. Hard. I mean, besides Mike Tyson, don't get it twisted. Now, Mike Tyson was harder from the but he was big. <laughs> but, but pound for pound, Murky Sosa was one hard-hitting dude. Even Tyson at in 2020, you felt like he hit hard? And then anybody I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That's yep. wild. Yep. That's wild. Okay, Roy, we're going to say goodbye in a second, but I was watching um obviously y'all must have forgot videos and uh <laughs> you know you know what's interesting is is y'all must have forgot obviously it's epic and the lines in that song are just just phenomenal did you write those lines yes <laughs> my favorite one is y'all remember the left hook that james tony got i learned it from a game cock 
<laughs> fucking move our stove from a game car. Actually, me and Hodge River kind of got to get a cold down. Okay. All right. Uh, when I beat Bernard Hawkins for the IVF, the right was hurt, so I used beat the left. Beat it with the left. You better believe it. Y'all must have forgot. <laughs> got the nerve to say I ain't fight nobody. I just make them look like look. nobody. Y'all must have forgot. And then my final, <laughs> the best one, the best one, yeah, of course, because, you know, our HBO ties, the heart and soul of boxing on HBO. What does other fighters take me for, a joke? <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, Roy. Uh, hey, thank you, brother. I, I love these. Uh, uh, I love that seeing that on uh, on YouTube. There's so many, so many views, and you know, can't be touched. Also, very underrated because that wasn't just like a a a hip uh, a boxing song. That was like a legitimate track, right? Exactly, exactly. People still listen to it today. People still coming out to it today. And go check out go check out New Y'all Must Forgot because the New Y'all Must Forgot came out before. Well, I we had written it before I became a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And the song says "Future Hall of Famer," and they can't stop that. And <laughs> now look go. at that. There yeah. you go. This June in Canastota, you'll be up on the stage where you belong. Uh, one of the greatest to ever lace them up uh, in the ring on the mic, entertaining. Uh, man, we we miss you, Roy. Hopefully, we see you back on a big time broadcast. And also, uh, what you're doing with, with Tarver too—that's awesome on the grassroots level. Thanks so much uh, for joining too, us brother. here on Inside Boxing Live. God bless, and I'll see you soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Okay, let's bring in guest number two this uh, week on Inside Boxing Live. Uh, if you have a job in boxing, Brian Campbell's going to take it. Um, <laughs> he's on the call this week. Showtime Boxing has a new analyst. It's Brian Campbell, and he's here with us. Uh, how you doing, Brian? Happy New Year. Uh, you taking anyone else's job so far? Have check will cash it, Dan, has been the working statement. You, dude, you know how this industry works when the phone keeps ringing, dude, you better answer because that shit can dry up. Thank you <laughs> for the wonderful welcome. And I love being on this show. In fact, uh, if you ever consider outside boxing live, we can do it at a park somewhere. I'd also join you. Thank you. I haven't been outside in a few days. I'm trying to avoid everything that's going on out there. Also, how does it feel to uh, proceed Roy Jones Jr.? Wow. That is wow. Uh, I, I don't think I can fill those shoes uh, at all, but uh, you know, y'all must've forgot, right? Yo, we Dude, you know what the best, the best part about Roy is in his rap, by the way, seriously, for an athlete, like celebrity crossover, he's one of the better rappers in history, but he believes in his craft as a oh musician God. and a rap. Like he thinks he's changing the world with what he's doing. And by yeah. the way, I, I, I believe in that spirit. You got to come with that energy. So yeah. I respect that. Yeah, y'all must have forgot two was out. He wanted to remind everyone that um, it came out before he got in the Hall of Fame, but he did drop like a Nostradamus type of prediction saying that he would get in the Hall of Fame. We wrapped a little bit, too. I started off some lines. He finished them. It was pretty epic. So it's only downhill from here. But I am happy yeah. for you. I am happy for you, Brian. Uh, picking up another gig. You're going to be uh, on the call now, part of the team at Showbox, uh, with the longest running prospect show uh, in the Northeast, I believe that's the, the slogan, but huge card coming up this weekend. I got the press release and I got the CompuBox uh, research packet combined triple header with 81 and 0. 
you can't beat that. That that's the spirit of what Showbox is, right? Matching yeah. prospect stuff. Uh, let's shout out Steve Farhood, the OG, who has been mm-hmm. there since day one. He's still a big part of that broadcast. The 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 unofficial scorer. He has a big role behind the scenes. Although, uh, you know, taking his chair right now after the run he's been on is is a daunting task. But he could not be more welcoming. You know, Raul Marquez is the best. You know, Barry Tompkins is the OG. Uh, dude how good is the reputation of this announce crew to be to join that you know the real ones the 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 angry hardcore fans who hate everything they love some showbox <laughs> so i am overjoyed to be part of that yes there is a large contingent of hardcores that they love showbox because it, it is it's for the hardcore and it's for to see the up-and-comers too it's i mean they've said so many champions have fought on showbox it is like the proving ground like errol spence has fought on there you know uh i'm drawing a blank for some of the other andre guys ward not. right i mean come on you know so many tyson right. fury come across the board you know that's yeah, great there you go so that's good. That's great. You're going to be heading down to, to Florida next uh, this week. Yeah, later this week, six unbeaten fighters on the card. Go, you know, Orlando Friday night should be should be a great time. Showbox does they tend to deliver, Dan? Okay, they tend to deliver. Actually, they do. So we'll, well, Showtime was my 2021 uh, network of the year prestigious award uh i believe that they gave you a little bit of everything last year i mean you uh worked for the company but uh i know you're probably going to agree with me but if you take a look at it i I don't have a a dog in the race but i mean they gave you a little bit of everything there was that 122 pound the commitment to 122 there was unifications at 154 on regular showtime they gave you a canelo pay-per-view at javante davis uh, yes, some people are upset that those were pay-per-views, but they were usually had strong cards. You got a little bit of Jake Paul, you got a Logan Paul, and they have Showbox. So, I mean, really, I feel like this is an infomercial for, for Showtime, but you really, they had a good year. They had a great year. It was consistent too. You know, it wasn't, wasn't hit or miss high or low. It was pretty consistent across the board. And, you know, just the following the Nonito Donaire storyline was great to watch as well. So it gave you a lot And Castaño Charlo. I think we're gonna get it a second time. That was, that was great theater as well this year. And also they gave you uh, another platform, you know, morning combat, right? They did. They did. They gave the, <laughs> they, they, fill, they fill my inbox with uh, with with checks and opportunities, and I and I'm thankful for it. Well, the highlight of my 2021 was was joining you on that morning combat show. I I've got a nice bump, a morning combat bump, picked up some new followers, a lot of like minded individuals that that like fart jokes. So I'm happy yes. for that. I'm happy about That's great. that. Well, the rejects will unite. We have a we now have a space for it. It's great. Yeah. Did you check out the fights this past weekend that we saw the heavyweight explosion that we saw the Fox pay-per-view with Charles Martin and Luis Ortiz? I did because, you know, I'm a degenerate like all of us who did. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because we got to be fair, Dan. And if this was a Showtime pay-per-view card, I, I you know, I try my best to say the same thing as politely as possible. It was one of the, one of the more, one of the farthest reaches I've ever seen to make a card, a pay-per-view card, Yet, dude, it kind of delivered. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't justify it, but we got a lot of wackiness. We got action. We got, you know, sweet baby Ray. We got Canelo in pajamas. We got a lot of stuff worth sort of, you know, checking out and talking about. So uh, heavyweights tend to deliver. Shout out to PBC on Fox for giving that platform, even if it was a costly one. How about our friend Ray Flores? Got a little bit of Larry Merchant in him. Didn't think he he had that because 
you know, he was doing his, his interviews and like guy like Johnny Rice was kind of going off of like giving one of the best post fight interviews ever and like going off like uh, on a tangent about sapphires. And Ray was like, no, 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 give me names. I want names. Who are you fighting next? <laughs> Normally like, that's a Jim Gray, right? Normally Jim Gray's like, no, 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 no. This is Danny's night. Come on, come on, come on. No, Ray stepped in. And I think, you know what? He pressed Luis Ortiz like, no, give me a name. I yeah. said, give me a name. I was like, yeah. all right, Ray. He, you know, he's got an East Chicago based backbone. That guy, Ray Flores, he'll bring it. All right. Yeah. And Kenny appreciated it. Kenny loves that. That's Kenny's style of, uh, of, qu of quizzing and like pressing. So yeah, that, that was interesting, but you're right. Yeah, What's uh, Brian Kenny's style confrontation. That's his style. And right? cowboy boots. Oh no, please tell me no. He wears cowboy boots. That's his like trademark. Yes. He oh, brought it up God. on the, on the telecast too. Are you serious? Yeah. He's a cowboy boot guy. That. Despite the fact he grew up here in, in Long Island. Oh boy. I gotta have a talk with him. That's yeah. I thought, you know, when he when he scored uh, Bradley Pacquiao one for Tim, I thought that was his low moment. But uh, didn't you? Or when he, did, that, that wasn't one of your one of your worst scorecards, right? You had it for. Pacquiao. I don't know why I've become a a questionable journalistic Listen, scorer in my old age. Good dude, you could make a case for Thurman over Pacquiao one fifteen one thirteen. I'm no, no, sorry. I was talking about Bradley over Pacquiao. No, I'm not. I'm not one of those truthers. Well, I'm I'm a saying, if you've been around long enough, like I say this all the time, if you're on Twitter long enough, putting out takes, eventually you're going to have a crappy take and people are going to dunk on you. If you Very put true. out enough scorecards like you do, if you're in the game, you're willing to put your scorecard out there. Some aren't. You Eventually, you're going to have a bad night. You got to take the L. Look, I was wrong. <laughs> Austin Trout didn't beat Canelo. In hindsight, I was wrong. Okay. All right. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, that was wait. Yeah, no, he didn't. You're right. Yeah, but going back to that uh, heavyweight night, uh, the first fight, the I'm putting together my fastest two minutes, and I just went through it again. Five knockdowns. That was your ultimate like barroom brawl. Two kind of washed heavyweights, Kalaze and Faust. Five knockdowns in less than five minutes. I mean, they it's just traded insane. shots. That started, that started off the pay per view. I think if you bought the pay per view. Yes, the, the subsequent fights were not good. You could fast forward through those so you got to the main event. But those that first fight, you were like, all right, this was worth 40 bucks. Yeah, that, dude, the, the swings and momentum, which is what we love as boxing fans, was insane in that fight. And then even the referee caught a little right hand of the chin there. That's going to cost him. Yeah, Burgos, he got shoved. Someone went after me on Twitter. That wasn't a shove. Give me a break. I'm like, dude, you cannot put your hands on the ref. You put your hand on the ref. You're getting a suspension. You're getting a fine. That's just like is what it is. Yeah, Jack Tunney's coming after you in the WWF in the <laughs> 1980s if that happens, all right? All right, let's go to the main event. Um, uh, obviously, it, uh, Luis Ortiz came out on top. He didn't look great. I thought in a weird way that Charles Martin looked better in a loss. Like, I, I want to see Martin more than I want to see Ortiz, mostly because I just don't think Ortiz has the legs anymore. I think I he's going to get badly hurt. Uh, obviously, you know, his, his daughter and that storyline is, is admirable and – he wants to continue fighting because he wants these paychecks. He's got himself in a position as an eliminator if you follow along with that. But I don't want to see him get iced. I, I think that happens uh, if he fights any of the top guys. Who would you like to see uh, Luis Ortiz fight next? I think Andy Ruiz is the fight to make, and it makes sense within the PBC on Fox sort of silo. You know, Fox's commitment to the heavyweight division has been large. I didn't yeah. think Areola versus Ruiz should have been a pay-per-view fight, yet that one delivered excitement as well. And I think that's mm -hmm. the fight to make. With Luis Ortiz, I think the good news is, whether you believe he's 40, 
three or 58, you know, the opinions vary. He still can box, meaning he's still defensively responsible to a large degree. And he's big with big time fight ending power, which you saw, but the legs are slowing down a lot. And I think what was most concerning was getting dropped by, by jabs, essentially that yeah. he did not respond well to that. Kudos to him for finishing strong. I even kind of like the WWE, like post fight shove he gave Charles Martin, but you nailed something important. Charles Martin had been a, a bit of a footnote or a joke in heavyweight title history, given that I don't, you know, he didn't really deserve. I thought the vacant title opportunity he had against uh, uh, bizarre Glasgow. And it was a bizarre injury to Glasgow. Who's never fought again since then Martin wins the belt. We all know he then basically handed it over to Anthony Joshua via first round KO. And it was sort of like, Oh God, this guy is he the worst heavyweight champion ever, <laughs> but credit to him, Dan under the radar. He's made some fun fights. The brawl yeah. with Konatsky was fun. The one-punch knockout against Gerald Washington was fun. But I didn't think he had this in him. And this in him meaning this is the most confident I've ever seen him. And his jab was good. His, his you know, many robust in his corner seems to be a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Was just dressing, keep it simple, just go out there. And, you know, his power, which I never considered him a big power puncher, it was legit. And, and, and he's hungry and he's a wild interview, Dan. How many times has he said things like I'm a golden God and, and, you know, he's, he's got a, a cult he's a, following. He's a wild dude, but this yeah. was a good ass. I want to performance. I want to see him again. Yeah, I do want to see him again. And I think the, the they made this fight uh, for, I think they were trying to angle Martin versus Wilder. I mean, that's a, a fight that could be made uh, in the PVC sphere and, I still want to kind of see that. I don't want to see Ortiz versus Wilder three. Like I said, I don't want to see Ortiz really against, he's not going to get Fury. He's not going to get uh, the Fury. He's not going to get Joshua Usyk winner. They're going to be tangled up for the next year. Eventually he wants a payday. I mean, that's what it's all about, but like, I don't want to see Ortiz get hurt uh, too badly. And, uh, but he still has something left at whatever age you think it is, but you know, Martin, well, go ahead. I was going to say, if Fox keeps it in-house with the heavyweights that they have been going around, if this is a final four of Ruiz versus Ortiz, Luis Ortiz potentially, and maybe, like mm -hmm. you said, Wilder versus Charles Martin, if that plays out to the winners then facing each other, that's interesting. I'm there yeah. for that. I think Wilder can, can win that one, but it just comes down to it is like, can Wilder get up for something like that? I mean, this is a guy that's at the precipice. A ton of money. Uh, I, I do. He's he's thinking about retirement. He's talking about. He's doing interviews with his wife. She's bringing up retirement. Clearly, like they're thinking about that. Which, as you know, uh, when a fighter has even says the R word, that's not good. But you know, if, if maybe Martin fight, that could be an, an interesting uh, tango there uh, in the heavy former champions. Division. It's it's sellable. I like it a lot. And by the way, as soon as Deontay Wilder publicly said, maybe I'll retire. Do you notice Shelly Finkel came right out and said, no, we expect him back the first quarter of this year. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. We all want to see the heavyweights. So uh, looking ahead to 2020, you get your, your, uh, what's that called? The, the glass ball. When you look at crystal yeah. ball, there you go. Thank you. Crystal ball. You're looking ahead into 2022. What, what storyline do you see emerging? What fights do you want to see happening? If Brian Campbell can have a lay of the land, everything goes his way for boxing. How does it play out? <laughs> it's i think we settle on three major topic points number one the continuation of this renaissance heavyweight era even though we still don't have an undisputed champion and we still haven't seen sort of the best versus the best we almost got you know fury versus joshua last year before aj's upset loss even if we don't get that and by the way i don't think we're going to have a, a, a you know consummation of the belts this year I still think there's potential for great big events, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's AJ versus Usyk too, 
uh, Tyson Fury. Okay, the Dillian White conversation's falling apart. There's still some fun matchups you can make. I'd love to see Fury against Andy Ruiz if we can go that way. Yeah. I don't like the idea of Tyson Fury coming back in a potential non-title bout. I don't get that at all. But still, look, same thing applies to where we were the last three, four years. We have fun heavyweights. They're, they're must-see. And if Fury Wilder 3 from this past year was any indication – Dude, they go after it. They're all a bit flawed and vulnerable in their own way, but they make fun theater. This brings back the casual fan. I love it. Point number two, and I don't want to belabor it, Dan, because it's our point every at the end of every year. Is this going to be the year we see Spence versus Crawford? I think it is. I <laughs> yeah. really think it is, I Dan. Agree. I don't know if Bud's signing with, with PBC, but I think he should. If you're telling me we have a chance to see Errol Spence versus Jordanus Ugas for three of the four belts, mm-hmm. maybe – Maybe Bud Crawford signs with the PBC and gets his feet wet in his own debut and the winners face off at the end of the year. Dude, this could be a big time era defining fight for a money division that we need. And the third Dan, which I have less confidence or optimism in is uh, how deep is this damn lightweight division? If we only could have things, you know, nice things that we deserve in boxing, we would see some kind of tournament that would pair these guys together. We're not, Mm -hmm. but if we could take, the big four, the four princes, as Karen Mulvaney calls them, whatever you want to call them, which, of course, is Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, and Gervonta Davis. Add in the current power player, George Cambosis. Sprinkle in the potential of Shakur <laughs> Stevenson. And Vasily Lomachenko, by the way, has not left the building. If those six or seven fighters can make, what, two, three, four fights against one another? I don't think we're going to see the fights I really want to see, which is like Gervonta versus Loma you know, Ryan Garcia versus Haney. But I think we can make some fun, entertaining, big-time must-see attractions with those guys. 135 is everything that's right about boxing, Dan. Them not fighting each other is everything that's currently wrong about boxing. Can we get there? Dan, is this the year? This is some good points, man. If everything happens like that, like the heavyweights just all keep fighting because they're at that level where they're just going to keep fighting each other. Spence Crawford, I think, has a very good chance of happening. It doesn't happen in 2022. Boxing has failed. And the expiration yeah, date happen, The expiration date is, in some people's minds, has already passed. And if it doesn't happen in 2022, it's completely washed, gone. They'll probably still end up fighting somebody down the road, but it won't have any pizzazz left in terms of primes. And then the lightweights, I agree, man. Like, there's so many of them now and they're so interchangeable that if we get like two of the eight, <laughs> I'll, I'll be pretty happy. And we don't know what Tia Fimo. I know you, did you mention Tia Fimo? Like I did mention him. We don't know if who go, who go to, to 140 or not. Uh, but yeah, the lightweight division right now is like kind of like the glamor division, uh, despite them all What's not the fighting best? each other. What's the best matchup you could make there, Dan? I mentioned Gervonta versus Lomachenko. Yeah, I think if I, if, if I had control, that's the one I want to see the most. Is there one you want to see more than others? That's, that's my pick, too. Uh, not you know, just to uh, agree with you there. But I also do want to see the King Rai versus Gervonta. Just from the event standpoint, I really think that could be just something special. in that. I got to be in that arena. Uh, you got all of Gervonta Davis's fans. You got all of Brian Garcia's fans and what uh, those two fan bases bring. And then the fight could go any way. I, I understand, like, you know, Ryan Garcia hasn't been in there in a while. But, man, he's got so much speed. Like speed and timing, too. And like the speed, you can't like teach that, and that's so hard to defend. And uh, imagine, just imagine if Ryan Garcia drops Javante uh, Davis to well, see that would do. One of the biggest laments of 2021 is that 
Ryan Garcia was unable to build on the momentum of that incredible Luke Campbell knockout win to open the air in which he got off the canvas. And mm-hmm. people were like, are, are we looking at a modern day Terry Norris from the standpoint of like a guy who's so vulnerable yet so dangerous at the same time that eventually he's going to get splattered. But until that moment, he's going to, he's coming to win, dude. I mean, he, you know, the thing about Ryan Garcia is, and I think most of, you know, women between the ages of 18 and 21 in, in the state of California have realized this, you know, He's coming for you. He's 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 he when he shows up at a party, right? He 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 comes there to do two things, right? Drink your beer and take your women, and he's like that in the ring, right? So uh, the fact that you know he's going to go after Gervonta or Devin Haney or whoever it is that he finally fights, and look, he wants Isak Cruz as a comeback fight. I don't hate that. I I don't hate Uh, that thing at all. I I think Golden Boy hates it. I think they look at Isak Cruz's skull and uh, sees that that skull breaks hands, and you got a guy Ryan Garcia who has a broken hand. It's interesting, man. It could be another big year. I want to like we've talked about this in the past, too. It's like boxing needs to get off this like every other year being good and start the momentum. Like 2021 was massive year. Awesome year. Got every big fights all over the board. Drama. You name it. Let's have that continue into 2022. I really hope for that. Brian Campbell, he'll be on the call. Showbox, the next generation. I'm really excited for the you. The new generation here. Don't get Star Trek to copyright. Uh, what the hell did I just The next generation? The new generation? The oh, new man. generation. Thank Gordon you. Hall is going to come after me for, for that one. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. That is a wrap for this edition of Inside Boxing Live. For Brian Campbell, for Roy Jones, Captain Hook, I'm Dan Canobio. We will see you next week.